Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Thanks for joining us today. Our mission here at Open Your Eyes is to help all of us open our eyes a bit more to the possibilities and realities all around us. And one of those realities is that you are filled with immense potential. And sometimes seeing things in a new way can unlock that potential. So today, wherever you are as you listen to this podcast, I hope you get a new perspective of how you can think and live better. And if you find these podcasts helpful, you could help by sharing these podcasts with a friend. Word of mouth helps us further our mission. So just share it and say something like, I thought you might enjoy this podcast. Have a great day. And that would help us grow our mission and keep doing a little bit of good. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about how to change your money mindset. For months, Staff Sergeant Jay Rosenberry had looked forward to his vacation to Harker's Island in the Outer Banks, the long string of narrow barrier islands off the coast of North Carolina. Jay was an F-16 Fighting Falcon crew chief with the Air National Guard, and he loved his job, but it was time to unwind on the beach. Jay arrived with his 11-year-old daughter, Josie, 9-year-old son, JJ, his girlfriend, Christy, her 10-year-old daughter, Michaela, and 8-year-old son, Josh. And also on the trip was Christy's dad, her stepmother, her stepbrother, Mark, and Mark's wife. In total, four kids and six adults. After arriving at their rented beach house, Jay and Christy started to unpack while everyone else headed down to the beach. Less than an hour later, Christy's stepsister came running to the house, yelling, the boys are in trouble. Jay's heart sank. It was more than 200 yards to the beach, and he sprinted to the water as fast as he could. He didn't know it at the time, but nine-year-old JJ, who's autistic, had been pulled in by the riptide. Soon, Josh, the eight-year-old, was also pulled in by the rip current. And since Josh was closer, Mark, one of the adults, tried to rescue the boy. But he, too, got yanked into the ocean's grasp. And with no one close enough to save JJ, Josie, the 11-year-old, who's fiercely protective of her brother, tried to reach him. Unfortunately, the greedy riptide put her life in danger as well. Now, all four were fighting for their lives. When Jay arrived at the beach, he saw four heads bobbing in the water. Josie was about 60 yards out, JJ 30 yards beyond her. Mark and Josh were yet another 60 yards out from JJ. Who should he save first? He didn't know what to do. Well, each year along the eastern coast of the United States, hundreds of people drown in the ocean from being caught in a riptide. Rip currents are common where there's a break in the wave patterns because of sandbars, piers, or other features. And because rip currents are narrow, they are very powerful. And that's why experts say to swim parallel to shore, because you may be able to escape the narrow flow. Rip currents look like a road or river running straight out to sea. And when you're in the water, they're hard to spot. But from above, you can usually see a river of foam or color different than the surrounding water. And that's why lifeguard stations are usually elevated. A misconception is that rip currents pull a swimmer down. Not so. They pull them out to sea very rapidly. And the natural reaction by swimmers is to try to swim back to shore against the current. And this is impossible. 
so you must swim sideways out of the current. Now, some experts also say to just float, don't panic. Eventually, you will stop and you can gently float back towards shore. Well, as Jay spotted the foreheads bobbing in the water, he didn't break stride as he made his decision. Mark, the adult, had hold of Josh, so Jay chose to help the closest person first. He dove into the strong waves and porpoised through the water, a trick his dad, who had been an expert surfer, had shown him. It didn't take long for him to reach Josie, who, despite her own dire straits, screamed for her dad to help her younger brother instead. Well, terrified at the prospect of losing his children and friends, Jay refused to let panic take hold. He got Josie to shore, then immediately turned back to rescue JJ. By this time, his girlfriend, Christy, had also arrived on the scene, and she and her dad tried again and again to run through the raging surf to help Mark and Josh, but their futile attempts continued to be thwarted by strong waves that kept pushing them back. Jay, again, used his porpoise technique to break through the waves. To this point, adrenaline had fueled Jay, but three-quarters of the way to JJ, he ran out of energy and breath. JJ didn't know how to swim, but he was doing a pretty good job of dog paddling furiously to keep his head above water. He didn't say anything as his dad approached because of his autism. He wasn't very verbal. While Jay saw fear on his son's face, the boy never panicked and was immediately calm when his dad grabbed him. Getting JJ back to the shore, however, proved almost too much. Jay was beyond exhausted. With wobbly legs, he took his son to Josie, who was crying. When he turned around, he noticed that Mark and Josh had become separated. And Josh, the boy, who also didn't know how to swim, slapped the water frantically in an effort to keep his head above water. Mark, the adult, seemed to be floating lifeless. I was scared for Mark, Jay said, but my instinct was to go after the eight-year-old now that he was alone because I knew he couldn't swim. As he stumbled back toward the ocean, he heard Christie's shrieking voice pleading, please save my boy. When Jay made it to Josh, the hysterical child grabbed at him, fought him, and tried to climb on him. At first, Jay couldn't reason with him. It was a struggle to get him to calm down enough to help him, Jay said. I was exhausted and swallowed a bunch of salt water. I really didn't know if we'd make it back. I actually felt like I might die out there. On the verge of collapse, Jay somehow managed to make it back to shore with Josh. Meanwhile, two other bystanders used boogie boards to help Mark. They rescued him and got him close to shore where Jay, Christy, and Johnny helped pull him in. He was unconscious and Christy, a nurse, began performing CPR. Jay slumped and sat down hard. With his head in his hands, he sobbed uncontrollably. Despite the efforts of Christy to revive her stepbrother, he died. Mark had been in the Navy and could swim okay, but I think he just became too fatigued holding and struggling with Josh out there for so long, Jay said. Plus, the sea was pretty rough that day, so I'm sure he swallowed quite a bit of salt water. I just thank God for giving me the strength to do what needed to be done, Jay said. I can't even imagine what my life would be like without my children. Now, if you look at rip current accidents that occur in North America each year, over 80% happen after lifeguard hours, or when swimmers go into the water despite rip current restrictions, or when swimmers are uneducated and unaware of what they're doing. In other words, over 80% of these drownings are preventable if the swimmers knew and followed the proper guidelines. This is very much like other things in life. 
We often get ourselves into trouble because we don't understand the circumstances around us, we're uneducated, and we don't follow the guidelines that keep us safe. And one of those areas in life is how we deal with money. You see, we all make mistakes with managing money. So the next few episodes of Open Your Eyes will deal with how to gain wealth and get out of debt. And the first step to being better at creating wealth in life is to get the right mindset about money. Economic resources, money, is essential to a happy life. And each day for most of us, money passes through our hands electronically or on our phones or computers without much thought. And over time, we develop habits that drag us into life's currents that we don't know how to navigate. We take out student loans because they're available without thinking of the future. We don't use debt as a tool, but we let debt use us. And most, if not all of the money troubles we encounter, could be avoided with education, understanding, and the proper mindset. Now, there are a lot of voices on social media, online, and throughout our life giving us advice on how to manage money and increase our income or how to invest. And it's not easy to sort through those voices and follow the guidelines that keep us from drowning in debt and accumulating wealth in the best ways. So, let's sift through the unnecessary and explore a few of the absolute mindsets and habits that will lead to change and your financial freedom. Here's the first principle, and it has very little to do with money and everything to do with becoming wealthy. Small habits lead to big results. Let's consider a simple example. Let's say you work at a hospital as an RN, and your salary is $78,000 a year, and you've fallen into the habit of driving through Starbucks on the way to work every day. It's convenient, easy, and something to look forward to on an otherwise ordinary, stressful day. So you stop every day, and once in a while on days off, you'll also swing through the drive through And with the recent price increases at Starbucks, Starbucks says their average order is more than $6 per person. How can that be? You only get a latte, right? But not really. Some days you're hungry and get something to eat, and others you jump up to the bigger size. At $6 per trip, you spend an average of $1,900 a year at Starbucks. You may be surprised it's that much. I mean, after taxes, your take-home pay on a $78,000 salary is only $59,000 a year, so $1,900 represents 3% of everything you take home. But that's no big deal, right? Because it's worth it. Well, maybe not. Perhaps we're not looking at this habit the right way. There's a principle in economics called opportunity cost. The opportunity cost is the loss of potential gain from doing the alternative. So while your Starbucks habit costs you $60,000 over your 30-year career, that isn't the real cost. Your real cost is what you could have done with the same $60,000. Invested at the average return of the S&P 500 stock index, that $1,900 a year would have resulted in $458,000 over 30 years. That's right, invested, you would have earned $458,000. So what does each latte cost you? Well, considering the opportunity cost of what you could do with the $6, the true cost is $180 each time you drive up to the drive through because if you invested that $6, the future value of those $6 in 30 years is $180. So here's the thing. It's not just Starbucks. 
In our day, we all have small habits where we give away our wealth. We rarely look at our cable bill. We don't cancel that Hulu subscription. We don't renegotiate our cell phone bill, and we end up paying $30 or $40 or $50 extra per month as a result. And remember, $50 per month over 30 years is worth $175,000 at the end of those 30 years. Does that make sense? If so, you're starting to open your eyes to the right money mindset. But here is the habit that really hurts all of us from creating real wealth. We procrastinate, defer, and delay doing the smart things that can save us on the small things. You know you should cancel either Netflix, Hulu, Prime, Apple TV, or one of the five or six subscriptions you have for entertainment. But you get busy, and other things get in the way, and you never get around to it. And as a result, money falls out of your fingers every day. So again, consider the opportunity cost. Now, there's a quick rule of thumb for opportunity cost. It's this. One dollar today invested in the S&P over 30 years will be worth $30 30 years from now. So every dollar you spend today is really costing you $30 tomorrow. Now, right now you're saying to yourself, what? How can $1 be worth $30 in 30 years? Well, let's do the simple math. At the end of year one, with a 12% return, your dollar is worth $1.12, right? The next year, it's worth $1.25, not $1.24. The next year, $1.40, and the next $1.57. You see, the increase each year starts to get bigger. In fact, in year 29, the value of your dollar is $26.75. And the last year, the value increases by $3.25. So your return in year one is 12 cents, but your return in year 30 is $3.75. Why is that? Well, it's a simple principle called compounding interest. Compounding means that it builds on itself. Soon, you're not just earning interest on your initial dollar, you're earning interest on the interest. It compounds on itself. Okay, so the cost of small habits is the opportunity cost of what you could do with the money that you're spending by investing it instead. And the power of that opportunity cost is compounding interest. So just as a lifeguard understands where the rip currents are located and can safely guide swimmers, so learning these simple principles help you to develop a mindset that can lead you to massive wealth. All right, the next principle that's essential to understanding how to build wealth and find financial freedom is this. There is a cost to waiting. Now, this principle applies to many things, but it's essential to building wealth. I teach this principle to my students in graduate school each semester, and it's a powerful principle. So before I speak about money, let me speak about this generally in life. There is often a cost to waiting. Young adults often come up to me and ask, I think I'll work for a few years and put off college until I have the money. And I ask them, what is the cost of waiting? Well, they usually say nothing really. I'll earn money between now and then and gain some experience so it won't hurt anything. So I try to help them open their eyes a bit to the cost of waiting. You see, college does several things for the average person. First, here are the facts from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. The average annual pay for people without a high school diploma is $32,000 a year. With a high school diploma, it's $41,000 a year. 
with a bachelor's degree in college, that number jumps to $68,000 per year. And with a master's degree, it jumps to $80,000 per year. So the difference between a high school diploma and a college degree is $27,000 per year. So let's say as a young person, you're going to delay college by three years. No big deal, right? Remember what you've learned about opportunity costs. Three years of $27,000 earnings totals $81,000. And if you invest that $81,000 and let it work for you for 30 years, it will be worth $2.4 million 30 years from now. So the decision to delay your education actually has a cost of $2.4 million. But there are more costs to the student. First, I believe the best thing college does for you is teach you to think critically. It gives you confidence in your thinking. And as a result, you make better life decisions. And better life decisions also have a compounding effect. Each time you learn something, when you do the next thing, you're better informed. And this capability you build compounds. That's why some executives who've been through difficult things are better because they have experience. And the premium in the marketplace of experience and thinking is huge. The best thinkers generally earn more money. So the cost of waiting is also the lost learning that you could apply for three years of your career and the lack of head start you get in your career. Now, there are other costs to waiting. Just ask the friend who procrastinates reaching out and misses out on potential relationships. Ask the person who delays fixing a poor habit, and as a result, they get divorced because their spouse is tired of waiting. Ask the breast cancer patient who wishes they would have done their regular health screenings. Ask the homeowner who delays simple things like changing furnace filters and must pay for a new furnace. Ask the person who delayed getting a will and passes headaches onto their children, and the list goes on. Do these people wish they wouldn't have procrastinated? Well, of course. You see, wealth, emotional health, talent, intelligence, and a host of other things in life compound and yield a larger return the sooner you get to it and become a person who does not delay or defer what is important. Remember, the cost of procrastinating is the life you could have lived in the meantime. And if there were one thing to model and teach to your children, it would be this. Learn the habit of do it now. You know, my mother was a do-it-now person. I really didn't like church when I was younger because if we went to church and someone taught from the pulpit that we should pray every day as a family, we started that day. My mother made sure of it. If someone said over the pulpit that we needed to serve at the church farm that Thursday, we put it on the calendar and it was sure to happen. She never delayed, ever. And it seemed that she always had excess time because everything was always done. But the real benefit was the opportunity cost she avoided. She got so much more from life because she did when it was time to do. Procrastination, especially that associated with deferring the gratification you get by buying something now versus deferring that gratification for something better, is a difficult thing to master. Procrastination makes life so much more laborious and burdensome than it should be. It also makes life a lot less fun because it increases the worries and anxieties, and over time, it takes a toll on our emotional health. And I've also come to grips with the fact that buying things often has to do more with pride than just about anything else. 
we want that new house or car so people will think highly of us. But if we open our eyes and think about who and what we really admire, we soon realize that we often admire people who don't have the nicest house or coolest car. It actually is their humility or character or kindness that is attractive. Next, to overcome procrastination, I've learned to just get started. Starting has amazing power in your life. When you start something, you get the juices flowing, allowing you to reach a point of energy in doing what you want to do more quickly. There is energy in starting. You know, sometimes I don't want to work out, but starting gets me in the mood. Sometimes I don't want to go to work. Starting gets me in the mood. Starting has power. And remember the five-minute rule. When you're tempted to buy something or delay doing something, follow the five-minute rule. Force yourself to take five minutes and ask yourself important questions like, is this necessary? Or if you're delaying doing something important, take five minutes and start doing the thing. After five minutes, things become clearer. Now, for the next few years, all of us will be facing a different economy than we faced in the last decade. Inflation is upon us, and it won't go away quickly. Inflation begins most of the time with rising fuel prices. Then everything that uses gasoline or fuel to transport or produce increases in price. Soon, people can't afford these higher prices, so they buy less, travel less, spend less, and the economy starts to contract. And when the economy contracts, small businesses can't sustain, and they're forced to close their doors. And you get the picture. So what can you do now to help your own situation in the midst of inflation? The first and most important thing is to get out of debt. Do whatever you have to do to eliminate debt from your life. Now is the time. And remember the principles we've learned about waiting and opportunity cost. If you're an average household in the United States, you likely have $5,300 in credit card debt and you never pay off the balance, and you pay almost $1,000 a year in interest. So, the opportunity cost of the $1,000 per year is what you could do with that $1,000, like invest it. $1,000 per year invested for 30 years will yield $250,000. The average household in the United States has $21,000 in automobile debt. And if you're leasing a car... You're paying on average more than you would pay with the loan because of several things. Leases limit your miles driven. New cars depreciate more in the first few years, and you pay for that. And leasing companies always take an added fee for leases, and you pay for that. Remember, what is the cost of always having a car payment? You got it, the opportunity cost. So here's a simple example. My car is a 2017. I paid cash for it. My wife's car is a 2015, and the same with her car. Both cars are nice and adequate, and we'll likely drive these cars for another three years or so. And during that three-year period, versus leasing cars, we will save $79,000. Invested for 20 years, that will be worth $760,000 to us in retirement. If we were making lease payments, the effective cost to us then is $760,000. Here's another. Last year, the average student loan debt balance was $28,800. What's the difference between students who have debt 
and those that don't. It's not the average interest paid, which would be $9,500 on that student loan. But again, it's the opportunity cost. If they didn't have to repay the $28,800 or pay the $9,500 in interest and invested that for 30 years, at the end of the 30 years, that's worth $1.1 million. So if you're a parent, one of the best things you could begin doing right now is to put a few hundred dollars a month in a 529 account for each of your children. A 529 account is a tax-deferred account. That means you won't pay taxes on any gains on your investment, and your children can use it for education expenses. And yes, you'll be giving them thirty dollars or $35,000 in that account, but more importantly, you'll be giving them the $1 million they could earn when they invest rather than making student loan payments. Now, consider this last calculation. If you're like the average household, you have $500 in credit card payments, $900 in car payments, and $550 in student loan payments. Now, not considering home equity loans or mortgage or any consumer debt for a boat, a camper, or furniture, other things, which some people do borrow for, your average payment is $1,950 per month. That's $23,000 per year. Now, what would it feel like not to make those payments? You'd have a $23,000 a year raise. That's the power of being debt-free. Some of us may be thinking, wow, what if I had paid the price to get out of debt earlier in life? I could have hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in my retirement account if I had been smarter or faster in doing what I should have done. Here's the thing. There's no value in looking back. Accepting responsibility for our decisions means learning from it, setting it aside, and moving on. You know, when I was a high school kid, I tried out for and made the football team. And I was an average athlete. And I was short. But I could run fast. And as a result, the coach put me on special teams. I was the crasher on punts. The crashers are the two guys who line up wide near the sidelines. And when the ball is hiked, they run as fast as possible to make the tackle on the person receiving the punt. They crash the punt receiver. In my first high school football game, all my family and friends were in the crowd. And I wanted to show how cool I was playing football. So on the first punt, as soon as the ball was hiked, I took off. I beat my defender and sprinted down the field. As I started to approach the punt returner, I noticed that he stopped looking up at the ball and started looking directly at me. So I slowed down, and as I did, the ball hit me right on top of my helmet. Not only did the ball hit on top of my head, when it did, it bounced 20 feet up in the air, and the entire crowd laughed. They'd never seen a punt hit someone on top of the head, and I was horribly embarrassed. When I ran to the sideline, my coach grabbed me and asked me what I learned. I told him I should have looked up to find the ball. And after that, I never crashed on a punt without finding the ball as I ran downfield. And there was nothing I could do about my mistakes. My teammates made fun of me for a week or two, but I learned a great lesson about how to learn from my past. The same goes for you and me. Managing money, investing money, is often filled with mistakes. And sometimes we have to be hit upside the head, so to speak, to get the point. So many people have tried to invest and learn lessons the hard way. I've spent money poorly and made bad choices and given into mood in making purchasing decisions. We all have. 
The question is, will we learn from our mistakes? When we do, we learn to recognize the rip currents, if you will, in our behavior. Like well-trained lifeguards can spot a rip current, we can learn to read the waters of money management and avoid mistakes in the future. So when it comes to spending instead of saving, remember the golden question. Yes, the golden question, not the golden rule, but the golden question. And it's actually five questions in one. When you need to make a decision, but you feel your emotions taking over, ask yourself, how will I feel about this in a day, a week, a month, a year, or five years? This question is extremely helpful because it forces you to see the future. You hack your brain and change the way it processes emotions. It's in asking this question that you can think about the opportunity cost of what you're about to spend or do. Now, in the next two podcasts, we'll explore how to get out of debt and how to invest for the future. But hopefully today, we've learned the value of opportunity costs and how to use it to avoid the rip currents on our way to building wealth. Remember, the power of compounding interest and make your decisions not on what something costs today, but the value of what investing that money, if you didn't spend it, could bring you in the future. When it comes to overcoming procrastination, just get started and put your past spending decisions and mistakes behind you. There is nothing we can do about them now, but learn from them and chart a new course to financial freedom. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.